Um, The reading today is from 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 15 to chapter 2 verse 2. That can be found on page 1195 in the Red Bibles. Um, We've got Bibles in other languages and versions as well, and they're at the back. Um, And the page numbers for those can be found on the screen. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me including Phygelus and Homogenes. May the Lord show mercy to the house of Onesophilus, because often has refreshed me and was not afraid, not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he may find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well how, in how many ways he has helped me in Ephesus. You then, my son, Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Chris, thank you very much. now, we're in this series in 2 Timothy that we've, we've called Stand Firm, um, and hopefully we'll be getting to grips a bit more with, with what this letter is that Paul's written to Timothy. Paul's an older Christian minister, if you haven't been with us, he's writing to a younger Christian leader to encourage him in lots of different ways. Um, I, I want to start by showing you a picture, and I, I hope this doesn't create any trauma or anything like that, any deep-seated personal anxieties. Um, for any of those of you who did not like chemistry at school. Do you remember that? Who, hands up, who did one of those litmus tests? Yeah, very clever, isn't it, a litmus test? Because what you do is you get this piece of paper that doesn't matter at all, and you put it into a beaker of liquid to find out what the liquid is, which is very important to do. It's very important to be able to test it in that situation before you put that liquid, say, in your mouth or something like that, because you want to know whether it's harmful or whether it's okay. Uh, And that's sort of what a litmus test uh, does. It'll, It'll test something in one situation to see if it's useful for another situation how it will work in another situation. And as I've been grappling with 2 Timothy this week, uh, what struck me is, as we get to chapter 2, verse 1, that's kind of what's going on with Paul uh, and Timothy. Paul has been encouraging Timothy to stand firm. And I think chapter 2, verse 1 may well be the key verse uh, of the letter. It's certainly the key verse of this section, I think, but I think it might be the key verse of the letter. So let's read that again. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And that be strong is a a bit like the stand firm that we've been saying. It's right at the heart of the letter. Stand firm, Timothy. Now, why do I think this is such such a key verse? Well, first of all, you've got the you then. And you then operates a bit like a throat clearing. Have you ever been in a room? We were just in a room, weren't we, where there was a bit of a buzz going on and you've got to get everyone's attention because you want to tell them something quite important, but everyone's sort of chatting between themselves and someone will go, (coughs) yeah, you've been there? Just to get the attention of the room. Well, you then works a bit like that on paper. Uh, Paul is just pausing for a second and saying, you then, uh, as if to say, 
can I have your attention now, Timothy? This bit really matters. Uh, but it's not any important. Look, look at the next bit. You then, my son. A reminder that this is a relationship that is uh, one of affection. Paul holds Timothy dear. Also one of authority, as a father would have authority over a son and teach them the way of wisdom. Paul has taken on that mentoring role for Timothy. He's teaching him uh, the way of Christian life and the way of Christian ministry. Be strong in the grace that is in uh, Christ Jesus. Be strong. Stand firm. Chapter 2, verse 1. And why do I think this is so important? I I think it sums up everything he's been saying in chapter 1. Which basically we could say is, Timothy, be strong for Paul. Because in chapter 1, Paul has been telling him about his situation, updating him, how things are going with him. uh, And he's saying, don't be ashamed of my chains. Uh, Come and be with me. Help me. Be strong for me as I need you. We'll see that in a second. So it sums up chapter 1, be strong for Paul. And it sets up the rest of the letter, chapters 2 to 4, where, where Paul's going to tell Timothy to, to be strong for the church. See, Timothy's church is messy. It's got some difficult situations going on. There's some false teachers. And Timothy's going to have to be strong. And it hit me this week. This is a bit like a litmus test. Because Paul knows if Timothy can stand up and be strong for him in his situation right now, as he needs him, then that's going to demonstrate Timothy's got the sort of character that's going to stand up and be strong for the church in the future. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Just a reminder that Paul's all the way over here in Rome, and he is in prison, uh, and he's been on trial. Uh, and as he uh, uh, is about to say, as we're going to look at in the passage in a minute, uh, it's not been going that well for him. And Timothy's all the way over here in Ephesus. Now, Timothy is his, his, uh, the person he's been training. He's been on many mission trips with him. Uh, he's a faithful, uh, good servant of Jesus. Uh, in lots of other letters, we hear so much good stuff written about Timothy. And he's writing to Timothy, as we'll see, uh, because he needs someone to help him where he is. Uh, And that's really our first point. Be strong in your situation. And for Timothy, that means this. Paul needs your support. So we thought uh, last week he he said, um, in verse 8 to Timothy, Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Don't be ashamed, Timothy. Don't be ashamed of me whilst I'm in prison. Join with me in suffering. Stand with me. I'm in trouble here in prison. And Paul really was in trouble in prison. Look at verse 15 of our passage today. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. Now, Paul, uh, in Acts 19 and Acts 21, there were, there were sort of riots wherever he went. He, trouble seemed to follow him around. And sooner or later, the Roman authorities have caught up with him. They've put him in prison. It wouldn't have been a very nice uh, place to be. It would have been damp and dark. It would have been underground, probably, with hundreds, if not thousands, of other prisoners. And 
really, if you were in prison, you got a tiny bit of ration. You wouldn't have been given raises or anything like that or new clothes. It would have been a horrible life. But if you had friends who came to find you and, and give you stuff, that they would allow, the guards would allow people to come and give you a bit of extra food or some new clothes or something like that if you needed them. But if you didn't have any support, it was a really miserable life. Uh, not only that, but Paul uh, ha- has a trial, we seem to know from the rest of uh, 2 Timothy, uh, and he says in chapter 4 that no one came to his first trial to speak up for him. So not only does he just need the practical support of people giving him a bit of food and clothing and that kind of thing, he also needs the support in court of a, a character witness. But look what he says, everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me. Now that doesn't mean they've stopped being Christians. And then he mentions two of them by name, doesn't he? Phygelus and Hermogenes. Now, we don't know whether he mentions them because they were close friends of his, or maybe they were church leaders or something like that. They were specifically important people in some way. Uh, We don't know why he mentions them, but he does, which just goes to show that this is personal. It's not just that people have deserted Paul, but but people he knows. Friends have deserted him and not, not stood up for him. And I guess it's very tempting, isn't it? I can imagine what went through their minds. Paul, he is a bit of a troublemaker, isn't he? Everywhere he goes, there do seem to be trouble. Actually, if I stand up for him, if I go and visit him in prison and help him out, if I stand up for Paul, if I I go and stand up for him at trial and say, you know, Paul's a good guy, I'm a friend of his, is that just going to mark me out as a troublemaker too? In situations like that, it, it... can be easy just to shirk that responsibility. But Paul is writing to Timothy and he wants him to say, he wants to say to him, don't be like them. Don't be like Phygelus and Hermogenes. No, instead be like Onesiphorus. So he gives two different kinds of examples, doesn't he? Uh, Verse 15, Phygelus and Hermogenes and everyone else who's deserted him. Verses 16 to 18, the other example is Onesiphorus uh, and his Uh, courage, his strength. Look how diligent he was. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed, not ashamed of my chains. That's a little clue, isn't it, to what he's already said to Timothy, don't be ashamed. In other words, Timothy, be like Onesiphorus. Don't be like the other people. He's given him examples of what it looks like to stand firm, to be strong, to not be ashamed. Be like him. He often refreshed me. On the contrary, verse 17, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. Imagine what it would be like, you know, a a basement sort of damp and dark with hundreds, if not thousands of prisoners there. All wearing ragged clothing that's generally falling apart. They wouldn't have had razors or anything like that. So the beards, most of them, if not all of them, would have been men. Uh, their beards would have been growing longer and longer, their hair would have been... It just looked like a sea of people who all look more or less the same. All looking more and more frail. He would have had to search hard. It's not just a case of going to the round the corner to the well-marked prison, going to the reception desk and saying, can I see uh, Paul, please? He didn't work like that. He'd have had to go around the basement, prisoner after prison. Is that Paul looks a bit... No, it's not him. Uh, you know... He'd have to search hard and find him so that he could refresh him, so that he could give him food and clothing. And Paul is just oh so grateful. 
Verse 18, may the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. Paul is so grateful because when he needed it, when it would have been easier just to forget about Paul, when it would have been easier just to ignore him, Onesephorus went, searched, found, and refreshed Paul. And so why does Paul give Timothy these two different sorts of examples? The ones who desert him and then Onesiphorus? Be like Onesiphorus, Timothy. Not like all the rest. Be strong. Don't be ashamed. Stand up with me now when I'm on trial. I know it looks bad. I know I'm in trouble. But stand with me. Well, what about us? I guess there's something similar that can happen because maybe you've been in that situation or you've seen it, uh, it happens on the news where a Christian gets into trouble for saying something Christian. <laughs> and I, I don't know what that might be. Maybe they say something about how they believe that Jesus is the only way to God or something like that. And, and all of a sudden everyone flies in at them and says, oh, how dare you, that's so arrogant or something like that. And there's a bit of us, isn't there? In those moments that's tempted to say, well, you know, that's a bit strong, isn't it? I I wouldn't have said it quite like that. Just to walk away from that other believer a little bit. Just say, well, they were maybe a bit hot-headed. They are maybe a bit over the top. I, I, I wouldn't have done that. I'd have done it a bit differently. Now, Timothy's got the option of doing that. Just, just sort of going, well, Paul, he's a bit of a hothead, isn't he? Trouble seems to follow him everywhere he goes. Maybe he's just been a bit over the top in the way he's been preaching. We can talk about Jesus in a much more calm and sensible way over here in Ephesus. I I don't need to be with him. But, But Paul knows if Timothy does that, that's going to be awful for him. It's going to be awful for Paul. It's going to be bad for Timothy. And it's going to be bad news for the church in the long run. Because he needs to be strong in his situation. And I think God wants us to hear this uh, message. I think God wants this letter in his Bible because he knows that for Christian leaders and all Christian believers, that same temptation is going to be there from time to time. That temptation to back away in one situation or another, to not stand up for the gospel or for other Christians, not to say no to sin, not to, not to stand firm on the truths that God has given us. If you're a student, maybe you're a new student, first couple of weeks at uni, maybe you've already had this experience. I remember it happening to me a number of times. You're not like one of those Christians, are you? One of those who believe whatever it might be. Oh, and the temptation just to say, well, no, I'm not quite, I'm not quite in that. Oh, well, I would say it a bit different. It's there, isn't it? Timothy, be strong in your situation because Paul needs your support. Point two, Timothy, be strong for the long haul because the church needs the gospel be strong for the long haul because the church 
needs the gospel. You see, Paul obviously is concerned that his, his protege, Timothy, he, his apprentice, the one he's trained up, who he loves, who is his dear son, yes, of course he wants to see him. He's in a hard situation in prison. Of course he wants that companionship, that fellowship. He just wants to see this one that he loves, of course. But Paul's concern is always bigger than himself. See, Paul knows if Timothy is going to be the leader that the church in Ephesus needs, he's going to have to stand up and be counted. So this is his litmus test, yeah? If he can be strong in this situation, when Paul needs him, Paul can be confident he's going to be strong when the church needs him. In two years, in five years, in ten years. Whenever he's going to have to stand up and say no against something that's wrong in the church or protect his church family. Paul's concern is not just for him, it's for the good of the church. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw this uh, show. It was on BBC uh, a year or so ago. Uh, it's called Broken. Uh, and it's uh, about Sean Bean plays a Roman Catholic priest who gets into the lives of a lot of people who are messy and, and lots of brokenness there. Um, and um, there's the one character, the, the lady there, uh, who plays the character Roz. And I'm not going to give too much away, but for various reasons, she's... Um, got into trouble. And she knows she's going to be, for one reason or another, she will be taken away from her children at some point. Um, and so she starts being really hard on them around the house and making them do all the chores and say, I'm not clearing up after you. you know, and it's almost like they, the kids don't get it. Why are you being so hard on me, mum? What, what, what are you doing? <laughs> You're not normally like this. What's going on? But of course, the audience realise what's going on. She's preparing them for the fact that she might not be round very soon. And they're going to need to stand on their own two feet. And actually, there's something of that in what Paul's doing for Timothy. Why he's giving him these examples. Why he's saying, my son, you need to be strong. You need to come and find me now when I need you. Because you're going to have to be strong and stand up later when I'm not there. See, at this stage, if we read on to chapter 4, Paul's pretty clear that he thinks he's going to die soon. And he knows that's going to be hard for Timothy. He's trained him. And he wants him to stand for the long haul after he's gone. And to stand for the church. And so if you look at chapter 2, verse 2. The things you heard me say in the presence of many witnesses. Entrust to reliable people who, also, who will also be qualified to teach others. Now, this is classic um, church multiplication ministry verse, isn't it? This is, the, this is the one we all use to say, yes, this is how you grow ministry. This is how you grow churches. So, so somebody's there. You gather a group of people around you. You teach them. Then they go and gather a group of people around them. They teach others. And actually, that's probably not what it means. Remember, Paul's in prison and wants Timothy to come and visit him. I think what chapter 2, verse 2 means is this. Before you come and see me, Timothy because you've got to make the trip from Ephesus to Rome, which would take a while, you need to find reliable people who are qualified to teach others, and you need to trust them to be over the church whilst you're gone, because you're coming to see me. Later on in chapter 4, he says, when you come and see me, bring my cloak. Paul assumes that he's asking Timothy to come, and he's going to come. But look at Paul, always thinking of the church first, you know, if I was in his situation, I would say, I just want to see you. Just come as soon as you can. Find me. I need you. 
but not Paul. He does want Timothy to come. He says, before you come, entrust to reliable people who are qualified to teach others the message I gave you, the gospel. Make sure that the church is in good hands whilst you leave. Why? Because, Timothy, you're going to go back. Yes, you're going to come and visit me in prison. But after a little while, you're going to have to come back to Ephesus. So you're going to want to make sure it's in a decent state. You hand it over in a decent state so that when you come back, you can do the work God's called you to again with that church family. Paul always has the church and the gospel as his first priority. And look at the the qualifications for these people. They must be reliable people. must have a good character. The kind of character that will be strong, that will stand firm, that will not be ashamed. And they must be able to teach, reliable and able. They must know the gospel well enough and be able to tell it uh, to other people. They're the sorts of people, the only sorts of people, that we should be leaving in charge of an important ministry like running a church. They need to be able to protect and pass on the gospel. Timothy, the church needs the gospel. Even if you go away for a while or for longer, the church will need the gospel. So you can't just leave it to run. You see, there's two ways Timothy could fail to be strong here, isn't there? Uh, One way he could fail to be strong is to ignore Paul just completely and not go and see him. But the other way to not be strong is just to sneak off. Just to say, well, Paul needs me and, and don't worry about all the mess in the church. And Paul doesn't want him to do that either. He wants him to, to, to put the church in a good situation, then go and visit him because he's going to come back. And he's going to need to be strong for the long haul. He needs to be strong in this situation so he can be strong for the long haul. Paul knows if Timothy's strong for him now, he can be strong for the long haul in ministry. This is his ministry litmus test. Friends, how do you know you're going to be strong for Jesus in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, when the big battles come? It looks like there are going to be big battles to follow Jesus and be a Christian. It starts today. It starts by being strong in the little situations, the conversations, when there's just a chance to speak up for Jesus, and you can take it or you can just let it slip away. Those little moments in the staff room with your neighbours on campus. Those little chances to stand in your situation where you are now will be forming the kind of character that will make you stand for the long haul to be strong. But maybe you're asking the question, how? It's really hard in that situation when it comes at me to be strong. When I feel the pressure of friends or peers or the press or culture generally weighing in on me, how can I be strong? Where do I find this kind of strength? And the answer is you don't find it in yourself. So let's look back at our key verse again. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Grace. Grace is the fuel for Christian strength. 
Grace is the fuel for keeping going as a Christian. Grace is the thing we all need every day in order to be strong in the little situation so that we'll be strong for the long haul. And to be strong in our current situation, I should say. Won't always be little. But to be strong in our current situation, show we'll be strong for the long haul. Grace is the fuel. So let's just take a moment, and some of you will know this, but let's just be clear what grace is. Grace is undeserved favor or kindness. An undeserved gift that we receive. So let me put it like this. Say you've moved into a a new house or halls or whatever you're in. And your neighbor is a big fan of the kind of music that makes your walls shake. And they play it really loud until three o'clock in the morning. You know the sort of thing, yeah? There's a really big, heavy bass noise and, you know, I don't know what your halls are like. Maybe they're better than the ones I stayed in, but the thin walls and everything's shaking and your coffee or your tea or whatever you drink, you know, there are ripples in it. That kind of thing. Now, if you don't pull up any floorboards go under their side and start clipping their wires to turn their music off, yeah? If you don't do that, that's mercy, okay? But if you go round on their birthday and give them a birthday present, that's grace, okay? It's something undeserved as a gift, yeah? It's not just not, it's not, just not giving them what they do deserve, you know, shutting the music off or complaining or shouting the odds at them. It's to be kind to them when they don't deserve it. And the grace in Christ Jesus is God's kindness to us who don't deserve it. And Paul knew this because Paul had persecuted the church. He had killed Christians. He had been telling God he didn't need him and to get out of his life. And he killed his servants. He deserved nothing from God but judgment. But God came and said, Paul, I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to change your life. I'm going to make you my servant. And I'm going to use you for my glory. And I'm going to pour my love into your heart. And it changed Paul completely. He was so grateful for that gift that he got through Jesus. Sins forgiven. A new life with God. And he knew he didn't deserve it. And the the truth is, friends, none of us deserve that from God. Because in our own ways, we've all pushed him out of our lives. But the grace that is in Christ Jesus that chapter 2 verse 1 talks about is the grace where God says, I I love you anyway. And I'm coming after you. And I'm going to pour my love into your heart because I I love you. And I'm going to forgive your sins. I'm going to make you right with me. I'm going to give you a fresh start. You're going to be my children. I'm going to be your father. And I'm going to get you home to be with me in heaven. That's grace. It's a gift not one of us deserves. And here's the thing. If you know that, that strengthens you in all sorts of ways. It helps you be strong in all sorts of ways. If you know how far God has come for you, well, you'll be like Onesephorus, won't you? And you'll go the extra mile and you'll go a long way to help out another Christian because God came so far for you. Of course, it's, it's nothing for him to go to Rome and find Paul compared to God coming from heaven to earth to rescue us. If you know how much you have received from God without deserving it, that'll change your entire attitude to life. It'll make you so positive. One thing that always strikes me about this is, if no one's there for Paul right now, it'd be so easy, wouldn't it, for him to dwell on the negative. I dwell on the negative, do you? 
you know, you, you think about that thing that's a real problem in your life and you just go over it and over it and over it, over and over again. But look at Paul, verse 15, everyone's deserted me. Sure, offhand. But then he spends three verses just talking about the one guy who came through for him. He dwells on the positive, doesn't he, Paul? Because he knows grace. He knows he's got from God more than he ever deserved. So he can't grumble and complain. If you know that God's power is shown in weakness, that that grace comes through Jesus dying on a cross for us, then you'll cling to God for your strength, not look for it in yourself. If you'll know that Jesus has defeated sin and death for you on the cross, so that you can have a new home with him forever in the new creation, you can face persecution. You can even face death. It's not the end. You can stand up and be strong in whatever situation you're in. Do you see how this grace, if we've grasped it, it completely transforms us. It changes our hearts and it can make us strong. It can help us stand firm. If you try and stand firm without going for grace every day, you won't manage it in your own strength. Sooner or later you'll buckle. I wonder if you'll all join me this term in praying for grace every day. Praying for God's grace. In saying, Lord, help me be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Whatever my situation is today, because I want to be strong in the long haul. And I know I can't do it in my own strength. Well, that's Timothy's litmus test. Will he be strong for Paul now? And will he be strong for the church in the future. And the only way to be strong like that is clinging to the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Well, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for this letter. Thank you that Paul wrote to Timothy and encouraged him to be strong, to stand firm on the gospel. To stand firm in the current situation where he needed him. And thank you that Paul's real motive there was not just selfish, but because he knew he, needed, he wanted Timothy to be a, a strong leader for the church in the future as well. And thank you that Paul knew that the only real way to strength is by looking to the grace that you give. We pray for ourselves that we will hear that warning, that message, that encouragement to go to Jesus for strength. And we pray whatever situations we're dealing with this week, that he will enable us to be strong and stand firm in those situations. Because we want to be people who are strong and stand firm for the long haul. For the five years, ten years, twenty years, fifty years of serving Jesus that are to come. And so we pray you will help us through your spirit's power as we cling to Jesus.
Amen.